Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Lord, there's a lot to celebrate, a lot to to celebrate what you've been doing across our church. But God, we come ready, expectant. God, we come this morning, hearts open and ears ready to hear what you want to speak into our lives. Holy Spirit, speak into, into the depths of our being. God, we want to see you change our lives and change our community. And God, it starts here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There was a married couple who were fast asleep. It was 2 a.m. on a stormy night. And they were awakened by a loud knock at the door. And so the husband got up and he grabbed his dressing gown and he raced downstairs to see what the commotion was at a 2 a.m. in the morning and who had the audacity to wake him up. So he, he, he opens the door and there standing dripping wet is a drunk guy. And he's standing there kind of, and he just looks at him and goes, can I help you? And he goes, yeah, can you give me a push? And he goes, no, it's two o'clock in the morning, it's raining. And he closed the door and he went upstairs. And as he walked upstairs, he lied down next to his wife. And his wife said, what happened? And he explained what happened. His wife said, well, that's not a very good Christian response, is it? I mean, you don't know his situation. You don't know what he might have been. And you know what? He came to you at his time of need and you turned your back on him and came upstairs because you were scared that it was raining outside and there was thunder and lightning. And so he reluctantly got out of bed, got his jacket and got some shoes on because he knew that he wouldn't have a very good sleep if he didn't go downstairs. And so he walked downstairs and he opened the door and he walked out in the veranda. And just as he opened the door, the, the lightning flashed in the sky and the thunder crackled and it was pouring with rain. And as he stood out there for a moment, he kind of looked left and right and couldn't see the guy. And so he said, oh, but then he, then he heard a, a faint kind of, that sounded like chains rattling. And so he said, oh, can I, can, are you there? Can I help you? And the guy answered back, he said, yes, please. Can you give me a push? He said, I would love to give you a push, but I actually don't know where you are. I can't see you. And he goes, I'm over here. I'm on your swing. (laughs) Oh, all night I was fretting over that going, are they going to find it funny? Or is it just like a a bad dad joke? Can you give me a push? Sometimes life throws situations and events at us. And sometimes we shake our head and we throw our head back and we, we laugh. And, and then there's the times where we put our, hand, our, our head in our hands and we don't know what to do. We need a little push of encouragement at times. And we're just concluding this series called One Another today. It's really, it's a series that I have loved because I love putting God's Word at practical application to our life. I love this series because we've sat and we've talked about and we've heard about and we've been stirred by God and pushed by God that that what God's heart for our community, our nation, our world is that we need to love one another. Not just kind of, you know, kind of just look at at a caringly glance at someone another, but we're actually called to love one another because God loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to each one of us. And so out of response, he calls us to love 
one another. And then we looked at that God also calls us to care for one another. And, and I posed three questions. I posed three questions to us to say, hey, how are you going? Not just kind of, hey, how are you going? And then we kind of walk off. But hey, no, no, really, how are you going? How can I pray for you? And how can I help? God calls us to move and to put our care into actions. And then lastly, last week, we looked at uh, that God calls us to forgive one another. You know the frustrating thing and the, the challenging thing for me about forgiving one another? Forgiving people means that I've got to forgive people who've offended me. But that's what God, God, God calls us to do. And so this morning we finished this series and I want to encourage you and push you to realize that God calls us to encourage one another. The big idea for this morning is simply this. I want to, we've got to realize that encouragement is one of God's greatest gifts to enable us to keep going, to push through and not lose heart. It's something that God wants for us, but most of all, it's actually God wants something from us. In the dictionary, the, the term encouragement simply means this, to fill and inspire with courage, spirit, and confidence. This morning, I want to, I want to tell you a secret. And it, this, is, this secret is just between you and me and a couple of hundred other people. So it's just a quiet secret. The secret is this. The secret that I want to tell you this morning is that we all love a little bit of encouragement. How do I know? How do I know that how do I know that you want a bit of encouragement and that you want a bit of encouragement and that you want a bit of encouragement and you want a bit of encouragement? How do I know that you want a bit of encouragement? Because I want a little bit of encouragement at times too. You say, I know this because, because we're all not that dissimilar. I know this because we all love fishing. And you're going, Dave, what has that got to do with encouragement? And, Dave, and most of you that know me quite well know that I hate fishing. And I hate fishing because of this. I've discovered that fishing requires two things. One, you've got to sit still. And two, you've got to shut up. Now, I don't do either of those very well. I don't sit still very well and I don't not talk a lot. But every one of us love fishing. Let me illustrate it like this. Last Sunday when... We had church on. So uh, Reese stood at the front and talked about and stirred us about the fact that God calls us to forgive one another. While he was talking about that, I was up in kids' church up there and I was talking to a bunch of kids. Now, let me just say, I was way more nervous about talking to a bunch of little people like this tall, sort of through about that tall. Way more nervous talking to them than I am talking to you. And, and I'm standing up there and I'm, I'm talking about, they asked me, what's your favourite story? And I said, well, of course my favourite story is David and Goliath. Why? Because it's about the little guy who takes it, the big guy, but most of all, it's about David. And it's a good name and I like the story. And so I'm standing up there talking about David and Goliath and I'm getting energised and excited. I'm getting the kids to do actions. And anyway, we got home last Sunday afternoon and we walked in and we sat down on the couch and I said this to, to Allegra and Reuben. I said, hi, oh, how was kids' church this morning? Was it good? Was it funny? Like, did you kind of, like, was this some, what did you do? Oh, we did this and this. And was it like, did you, like, did you enjoy it? Like, was it, was this some, like, and I'm like, I'm trying all I can to kind of fish for compliments, fish for a little bit of encouragement, and guess my kids did? Nothing! <laughs> and I'm trying to fish for compliments, and I'm trying to fish 
for encouragement. And we all do the same thing. We all love to fish. I don't know if you're anything like me at times. But we all go through times where we just want someone to acknowledge us. We just want someone to encourage us. And you know what? I've discovered the most, you know, a lot of you can come up and and it can encourage me in various different ways. But the one person in my life that trumps you all. In fact, if all of you came to me after the service and said, David, that was the best sermon I've ever heard and we all got saved. If one person, namely my wife, said that was a great sermon, she beats you all. Can I just talk to the wives for a second and girlfriends for a second or fiancés for a second? Can I encourage you, if you want to see the best out of your husband, boyfriend, spouse, if you want to see the best out of them, you encourage them. And you watch, this is what happens. Their shoulders kick back, chest puffs out, and they can now take on the world. Because there's someone, namely their wife, that, will, that, that believes in them. So we all want to be encouraged. There was a study that happened a few years ago. Uh, A bunch of psychologists and doctors gathered together and they they gathered a bunch of children. They put a bunch of uh, scanners and and wires and sensors over the kids. And then what they did is they wanted to see the effects of encouragement, encouraging words and encouraging gestures, what that would have on them. And then they wanted to see what discouraging, discouraging words and discouraging actions would do to them. And this is what they found. And this is probably no surprise to anyone. They, they, they found that when they encouraged children, their physical energy increased. Now, what I didn't say there is they got more happy and high-fived everyone. What they found was that their physical energy increased when they were encouraged. But when they were discouraged, their their energy dropped immediately and drastically. And do you know what? As adults, we're exactly the same, aren't we? You see, we all need encouragement. And history is the same. You read through the Bible and there's a group of people that just needed encouragement. So what we're going to do is we're going to open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. So if you've got your Bibles or you can read it on the screen, uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible because Hebrews. Dad jokes are rolling today. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promises is faithful. To be honest, I reckon we could just wrap up there and go home with that promise. But let's keep going. And let's consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Can I encourage you to put God first, to make church one of your first priorities in your life. Church, you know what? I don't know about you, and I'm not saying this because I get paid to do what I do. But I have always and I've never, ever regretted putting God first and church first. But let's keep going. Let's not give up meeting together. But as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as as we see the day approaching. I just want to give you a little bit of background to this passage. Uh, We don't actually know who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's a bit of conjecture. It was either Luke 
or it was the Apostle Paul. I kind of sit on the Apostle Paul side of this. And, and Apostle Paul, he was writing to, a, to the young church, a young group of Christians who were under oppression, uh, religious oppression, kind of probably not similar to, so dissimilar to what we are starting to see today. And so here they are with, with uh, religious oppression on them and they're starting to question their faith. They're starting to wonder, is this all really worth it? Can I say to you this morning, if you are wrestling in your faith and questioning your faith, can I just, I just want you to loudly hear this. It's okay. Because we all have at some point. But my encouragement to you is don't stay there. Don't camp there. But keep on going. But Paul here is writing to, to a young group of Christians who are, who are under a lot of oppression, who are starting to ask questions. And he's, and he's saying to them, hey, don't give up. It was kind of like Wednesday night in the state of origin. You didn't think I'd get away with that, did you? Come on, did you notice? It's just, it's kind of like Wednesday night, state of origin. They didn't give up. They said they got that. They did have it 26-6. What a glorious game. The Melbourne Storm last night. It was a good game. Anyway, anyway, let's get back on, on point. Oh, so Paul is writing here to encourage these young group of Christians, and he's writing here to encourage us. And he's saying, you know what? They're, 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 um, let us not hold unswervingly, but let's encourage one another. Uh, the message version of, of verse 24 says this. Let's see how inventive we can be and encouraging. I love that. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging. Paul is pushing us. He's pushing us to spur one another on, to encourage one another. You see, one of the things I've realized that, that our life is, wait a minute, It went away. Power tools in church. Our life is like a balloon. Sometimes it's full. Sometimes it's full of life and full of fun and full of dreams and, and full of uh, ambitions and, and passions and courage and fun. Our life is full, full of excitement. And then there's other times in life where our life seems to be deflated. The moments where we, we question, can we keep going or should we just give up? We feel like we need to give out, we need to tap out. We feel like there's times of discouragement. Discouragement is defined in the dictionary like this. It's defined as a deficit of courage. See, there's many things in life that, that, that discourage us. There's many things in life that we face that, that kind of that let the air out of our balloon as per se. You know, for some of us, it might be the crises or the tiredness or the, the failure or the fear or the frustrations or the exhaustion or the sickness, the, the relationship breakdowns and the, the cutting words and the cutting actions and the things that happen that just seem to deflate our lives and take the energy and the life and the hope out of our lives. But do you remember the definition of courage? 
The definition of courage is to fill and inspire with courage. The definition is to, to fill and inspire with courage and confidence. And there's different things in our life that, that can fill us up at times and can kind of bring energy back into our lives. There's different things that, that kind of fill us up and bring energy and, and life and vitality and, and joy back into our lives. And, you know, there's, these type of things might be like, you know, there's, there's good things. There's, you know, there's things like exercise and there's also things like working out how to work the pump. It's good too. You know, there's things like exercise and there's, there's, there's things like sleep that helps us at acknowledging and, and, and really realizing where we're at. You know, there's the things in life that, that help us to... <laughs> Been here for a very long time. Focusing on the things that we're good at. You know, I might be going to see a professional person to help us journey through those things. Journaling. Drinking coffee. That's always a good one. Drinking coffee. Having some fun. Hanging out with friends. Getting some rest. And all of these things encourage us. But in my life, I've seen that one of the easiest and most effective ways for me to be encouraged is just when, when friends and family get around us. In my head, this went so much easier. It's going to make a really loud noise through the microphone. The most effective way for us to, to be encouraged and to grow is as we encourage stir us and tell us what they see in us. You know, it's getting nervous, so just stand back. All those nervous people out there. We all know what it's like. You know when someone gets alongside us? And just begins to speak life and hope into our lives. Do you know what it's like when, when someone just comes alongside of us exactly at that moment when we need them and they just begin to speak encouraging words? Hey, you know what? You know, they, they might bring a prophetic word and say, you know what? God wants to say this to you this morning, that God's not given up on you, that, you know, the best is yet to come, that God has got some incredible things in store. And I want you to encourage you, don't give up, keep on going. You know what? You can do it. You can get that. You can get that job. Your family can can be reconciled, that a broken relationship can be restored. And all of a sudden, what we see as a balloon begins to get bigger and bigger. But it takes someone to encourage someone so that a balloon can get filled. And that's why Paul here is cheering us on. That's why Paul is encouraging us to spur one another on. He's saying, you know, I want you to, and you know why he's saying this? 
Do you know why Paul is, is suggesting and encouraging us to do this? Because Paul knew firsthand what it was like to have someone who believed in him. He knew firsthand what it's like to have someone who would encourage him when no one else was. And I can tell you about that man. In the New Testament, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Joseph. And he was known for his ability to be able to encourage people. And in Acts chapter 9, I preached on a couple of weeks ago, where, where we find the story of where, where Paul is on the road to Damascus. He's, he's on his road, he's on his way to the, the city of Damascus. And when he gets there, he's going to throw a bunch of Christians in jail and he's going he's to kill a bunch. And so it's a kind of a messed up situation. And yet while he's on this road, Jesus comes and meets him. And his life is totally changed. And he becomes, he turns from a, a persecutor of Christians to becoming a Christian. And he walks into the city and begins telling people about this Jesus, that he is who he said he is. He is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He is the hope of the world. And then he goes to Jerusalem from this, from this passage. He goes straight to Jerusalem. And he knocks on the door of of the house which was full of disciples. And in my head, this is how it went. So he knocks on the door, and, 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 and I reckon it would have been Doubting Thomas. I mean, Doubting Thomas cops a fairly bad rape. I mean, he doubts once, and forever he's known as Doubting Thomas. Anyway, he, he arrives, you know, you kind of imagine him walking to the door, and he kind of flicks the curtain back, sees who it is, his face, go, his face goes white, and he runs back to the rest of the disciples. He's like, boys, boys, it's 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 ball. And what are you saying? It's it's, it's, it's Paul. You see, he knew and everyone else knew in the building. They knew who Paul was. They knew who, what he had done. They knew what he was there for. And they were all petrified because they knew that this could be the end of their life. This could mean that they all go to jail and never to be seen again. And then one guy pops up. His name's Joseph. But we actually don't know his name is Joseph because according to the Bible that Early, early on, the group of people, the Christians around him, changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas. Barnabas, his name simply means this, son of encouragement. You see, he was so encouraging to everyone around him that everyone around him chose to change his name to a name that meant son of encouragement. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, we read this. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And, now, and, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. See, Barnabas encourages the disciples he says to him, guys, we got it, we've got it. I want to encourage you to see past who Paul was, to see past, past what he'd done, to see past who, who he was and the things that he'd done. He challenged them to, to believe in Paul. He encouraged them to, to give Paul a second chance. And I kind of, in my head, it kind of went, goes like this. He's imploring them and encouraging them and sparing them and to encourage him. And then he realises, he points he points out Peter and says, yeah, like Jesus did for you, Peter. I mean, you know, Peter, where were you when Jesus needed you most? You denied him three times. And yet what does Jesus do? He gave you a second chance. And then he goes, actually, 
That's the same for all of you. Every single one of you. Where were you when Jesus needed you most? None of you were there. He says, just like Jesus gave you a second chance. Just like Jesus came to encourage each one of you. Let's encourage and let's risk and let's believe that maybe God can use someone like Paul. Church, I wonder what might have happened if Barnabas' encouragement had fallen on deaf ears. Let's stop and wonder for a moment. You know, if... if, if if Barnabas' encouragement to look past his past, to believe that maybe God could do something amazing with him, what might happen or what might not have happened? See, I wonder if Paul wouldn't have gone on to plant churches all over the world. I wonder if Paul wouldn't have gone on to become such an incredible leader of the church. And I wonder if Paul wouldn't have gone on to write nearly 30% of the New Testament. But because a group of people saw that it's actually really, really, really important to encourage one another, to look past our past, to believe that God still can use you no matter what you've done or what you haven't done. So this is why, why I believe Paul was so passionate that saying, guys, what we've got to do, what we've got to remember, what we've got to understand is that for every single one of us, we've got to encourage those people around us. Because every one of us are longing for someone to encourage us. And Paul wants us to encourage the people around us. And we can encourage always because we always have hope. We can Encourage always because he, because of who God says we are, that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are God's daughters and sons, that we are his, his masterpieces and that we can encourage always because God has put us in fellowship with others so that we can encourage them and that we can get around them. So church, we're not meant to do life on our own. We're not meant to do life flying solo. We're meant to be part of a, a family. And that's who Gateway is. We're just a really big family and a bunch of different locations. We're a, bunch, we're, we're a really big family that's got a whole lot of kids. It's got a whole lot of boys and girls. It's got a whole lot of mums and dads. It's got a whole lot of grandparents. And it's got a whole lot of crazy aunties and uncles. And if you don't know who that crazy auntie and uncle is, maybe that's you. Or maybe it's me. So we're designed to be part of a really big family. Church, that's why we have life groups. And I want to tell you about our life group. We've got 12 people who come to our house every fortnight on a Monday night. 12 people and some kids that come along and we cause a small amount of havoc in our street and a small amount of havoc in our, in our house. 12 people who we desperately love. Some have just arrived into our life group. Some have been there for sort of the last eight to 10 months. A group of people who we, who we get to do life with, not have to do, but get to do life with. You know, it's, it's a group of people where we share together. We laugh a lot. We eat some great slices that Beck makes for us. 
We drink some great coffee and chai that Luke likes to eat. And we encourage each other. And church, it's a group of people that Shadi and I and our kids have the privilege to do life with. And this is why we encourage everyone in our, in our campus to get involved in a life group. And we're trying to make more life groups so we can get more spaces for us all to be part of. Because each one of us needs to be encouraged. And we need to encourage those around us. Because remember, encouragement is one of God's greatest gifts to enable us to keep going, to push through and to not lose heart. And it's something that God wants for us, but it's actually something that God wants from us to encourage others. But we all need a push like the guy on the swing. We all need that reminder that, that you know what, we need to be encouraging other. You know what the thing I do? I watch the team up here every single week and I go, boy, they do a brilliant job. I watch them up here and I, and I watch them use their gifts and their skills and their abilities. And I marvel at them because I can't do any of it. The day I have to sing up here is a bad day in church. And you know, I watch them. You know, I watch them pick up a, a guitar. I watch them stand behind a keyboard like this and do this thing. I will laughing at the start of the service. I can't, what's, is it chopsticks? Is it that one? I can't even do that. And I watch, I watch this and I marvel at this. But you know what I do often? I think it in my head and then I go home. God's called us to encourage one another. I want to tell you a story as I conclude. I actually think I left a little note on my desk in my office. I'll tell you a story about the most significant moment in my life where someone went out of their way to encourage me. 18 years ago, I was not long in my, my walk with Jesus and I just started Bible college and I was freaking out about everything. And to be honest, I was really struggling in my faith. I was really struggling at Bible college. I was struggling with all the reading and the assignments and the classes and the expectations and the, the stuff and trying to balance everything. And I just had one of those, you know those, those bad days? I just had one of those bad days and I just got hammered by one of my lecturers over a, 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 a public talk that I did that was really bad. And I left that class feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. I left that class feeling like a failure, wondering whether I was gonna give up on my faith because I just couldn't get my stuff together. I felt like I was, I was gonna quit Bible college because I'm like, you know what, God, I can't even read right and you've asked me to read a big fat book like that and go to Bible college and use big words and I can't get four words in a row right. Then I had one of my lecturers come out. Her name is Lynn Morasi. She came out and she said, Dave, can I talk to you? I said, well, I'm in trouble again, that's fine. And she pulled me aside and she pulled an A4 piece of paper that I've still got, it's in my office, I meant to bring it up here. 
what she gave me is an encouraging prophecy that God had given her. That God was gonna do some things in my life and God was gonna do some things through my life. And I, she spoke those over me. She encouraged me in a moment where I was, I was ready to give up on everything. And yet she gave me this bit of paper and said, this is what God wants to do through you. And I remember a line in it, she, she talked about, she said, I feel like at the moment you're a mouse when you open your mouth and there's a whisper that comes out. But I feel like that there's gonna be a moment where you're gonna open your mouth and there's gonna be a, a lion roar that's gonna come out of your mouth. See, I dreamed of being able to stand up on a, on a platform like this and to talk passionately, but I just felt like I could never do anything like that. 18 years ago, Lynn Morrissey pulled me aside and encouraged me not to give up, encouraged me that God has got some things in store for my life. And I didn't give up. And we stand in part today. We sit in part today because 18 years ago, someone encouraged a young rookie who's now an old rookie and said, don't give up. This morning, wherever you are, I feel like God wants to say to a bunch of people here, don't give up. I've still got a calling in your life. Still got plans and desires to use you. Don't give up. 18 years ago, this lady just stopped and for about five minutes encouraged me. And I still remember it to this day. Church, we need to be a community of people that love each other. We need to be a community of people that, that care for one another. We need to be a, care for, a, a community of people that, that forgive one another, but we need to be a community of people that encourage one another. And say, so, you know what? You might feel like you need to give up right now. You know what? You might feel like that, that, that this is in life is about and you might feel all sorts of things but but you know what I just want to encourage you this morning don't give up I want to speak to you this morning and say you know what God wants to encourage you I mean Carla stood up the front here this morning and said you know what there's, there's people here this morning I need to realise that you are God's son and you are God's daughter God wants to say to you this morning God wants to encourage you this morning. Sitting next to you or underneath you is a little card. On that card, on the front of it, it says, encourage one another. On the flip side of it is just some lines. What I want you to do this week, what I want you to do this afternoon, is I want you just to write a little note on that. Or if it doesn't fit on that, which is always good, I want you to send an email or a text or make a phone call. Because you don't know. Lynn didn't know that I needed that word at that exact moment. And you don't know 
You don't know what that, that encouraging word can mean to that person at this exact moment. I was going to write on a card, but and this is not in my notes. But during the week, I was just praying for Peter. Felt like Peter, God wanted to say, don't give up. God's not forgotten. In the season you're in, in the journey you're going through, God wants to say to you this morning that He's not, He's not, He's not finished. It's not finished. It feels like it's finished, but it's not finished. God wanted you just to hear this morning. Just wanted to get that encouraging word in your spirit. It's not finished, church. But it starts with us. It starts with us being open and vulnerable enough to say, hey, you know what? Team, I want to thank you and I want to honour you for standing on stage every single week. I actually want to honour you because I realise that that for some of you, this isn't even your campus and yet you come to serve us and bless us in with the gifts that God has given you. And I just, on behalf of all the rest of us, musically challenged people, can we thank you? Thank you for saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for saying yes to using the gifts that He's given you. So church, who do you need to encourage today? Maybe it's the person sitting next to you. Maybe it's the person sitting on the other side of the room or the other side of the world. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for this passage. Thank You for how You... you You designed it to stir us. Stir us to encourage the people around us. To stir us to encourage the people that we live, work and laugh with. God, thank You that there is power as we encourage. God, as we open our mouths and we let You speak through our lives and our our words. God, we thank You for, God, I thank You for Lynn. God, I thank You that she would stop for five minutes and give me that word. God, I pray that we will stop for five minutes and give different words to different people so that life may be breathed back into dead situations. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.